Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. So this is in the New Testament. Luke chapter 14. I was laughing with somebody the other day because they were talking about when they first got saved, got a Bible, they opened it up and they started reading in Matthew and they read Mark and they read Luke and they read John and they realized it's the same stories of Jesus <laughs> four times in a row. He called his mom, Mom, did you know that there's four books in the Bible that are the same? Like, yes, those are the Gospels. So we're going to read out of Luke. Luke was the great physician that was with Jesus, one of the disciples. And these are the accounts of those that saw Jesus' ministry. Those are the accounts that they wrote down as they were witnessing it. Um, so I want to look at Luke chapter 14, verse number 28. Today I want to, I want to dive into, we've been looking at, um, we're in this series called The Age of the Counterfeit. And we've been looking at how do we fight for staying creative in a world that, of artificial intelligence and in a world of the digital butler and a world that we're walking into where everything revolves around us and it's a click of a button, it's a, it's a scroll of your fingertip. Everything's at the at thing. How do we fight to stay human? How do we fight to stay creative? Ashley reminded us last week that when God breathed into creation, the only creation that caught it and inhaled his breath and became a part of his image is us, humanity. And so there's power in who we are because God, out of all the creatures that he created, out of all creation with the mountains and the skies and the seas, and he filled everything, with all the creation, he decided to choose you and to choose me to pour his breath into and to become a part of his image. And so we've been looking at how do we stay human? How do we stay the sons and daughters of God? Where we are literally walking into the age of the counterfeit where many will fall to false things. And not probably intentionally, but if we're not careful, if we don't use wisdom, the Bible talks about the end times and how you and me, we have to walk into the end times as wise individuals. Don't come in passively as like, I'll just make it through. I will just see what comes. He says, no, live as wise, making the most of every opportunity. He said, for the days are evil. And that's what you and me have to realize is we're not calling artificial intelligence evil, but we're saying the days are evil. There's an agenda to, do you know the enemy's main goal for your life? The enemy's main goal for you and for me and my family is to kill, steal, and destroy and so when you realize that, you, you understand you're not walking in passively and just like, oh, life's just going to get better or we're just going to make it through. No, we walk as wise individuals knowing the, true, the truth of the word of God that we are, we are the image of God on earth. And therefore, there's something to fight for. Come on, bump your neighbor and say, there's something to fight for. Let's go. So Luke chapter 14, verse 28. I want to talk about the cost of the counterfeit today. The cost of the counterfeit. Luke 14, verse 28 says, but don't begin until you count the cost. Everybody say, count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there was enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. Then everybody would laugh at you 
They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. And then look at, jump down to verse 33. He says, so you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Jesus was basically laying out for those listening and following him at the time the cost of following Christ. What he realized is that we as humans, we can start so energetic. For example, you know, when you come to December and you start making your New Year's resolutions, and you're like, this year's gonna be different, right? And we all start strong. We're like, you know what? I'm gonna lose weight. I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat right. I'm gonna stop smoking. I'm gonna, whatever it is for you, you're like, I'm gonna do this this year. And we all start gung-ho and then by February, March, it's like, April's here. <laughs> and Jesus understood this is that if we don't count the cost pregame, we're not going to make it to the finish line. And so with our humanity, with, with coming into the life with Christ, we have to understand what's on the line and what is the cost of following Christ. What does it cost us? And Jesus says, all these examples of, you wouldn't start a building without first sitting down and saying, how much is that gonna take? And let me just encourage you in your life to look at your life and say, all right, how much is it gonna take for me to keep my faith? In the time coming, with all the, the things that are coming our way, and you see the world is becoming um, kind of a crazy place to keep your standards. We're realizing this as we send our kids into school. It's like the world's a crazy place to keep your kids in a place of standards where you live above. Now, the Bible calls us holy, which means set apart, which means outside of the world. Paul said, don't be, trans don't, don't be caught up in the world's pattern, right? Don't get caught up doing what everybody else has done. Well, that's really hard in the world that we live in. So we have to sit down and say, what is going to cost me to keep my faith? What is it going to cost me to build a relationship for those of you who are married for, to keep a marriage strong? What's it going to cost me to follow God in my home? For those of you who have kids, what is it going to cost us to keep our kids following Christ? Because I will tell you this, it will cost you something. Don't think you're going to come to Christ and it's a free for all. Yes, his grace is free. Yes, his mercy is free. But can I tell you, we live in a fallen world that is trying to drag you into the pit of hell, the place of death. And so we have to be aware, be wise, and count the cost. It's going to cost us something. Jesus said, hey, unless you can give it all up, you can't be my disciple. Now, what was he saying? This is a hard message. And even if, as I was reading this again, I'm like, Lord, this is... This is like heavy. I mean, if we, if we said that to everybody coming to this church, hey, basically you got to give it all up to be a part of this church. I don't know if many people would stick around. I'd be like, okay, that's cute. Um, I'm going to go join the church down the street. <laughs> I can sit and be comfortable. But Jesus was saying, there's a cost to following me. But when you follow me, all of heaven is yours as a reward. He said, there, there's, there's so much reward to it, but there's a cost. And the enemy would love nothing more than to replace us as humans. 
And when you go back, and Ashley talked about this last week, but as you go back to creation, when Adam was formed, God literally got down in the dirt, right? All other things we see him, we see that he spoke light, spoke mountains, spoke water, spoke birds, spoke fish, spoke that sloth that's on the tree real slow. He spoke and things existed. But then when he got to humans, he got down in the dirt and he formed man out of dirt. And then once he formed man out of dirt, he breathed into them. And I love the picture Ashley gave us of the inhale and exhale. When God exhaled, we inhaled. And literally, God put his image in us. That's, That's a crazy perspective, isn't it? That you and I were created in his image to do what he does. To love like he loves. To live at a standard and set apart as he lived. And I believe with all my heart, that's why he sent Jesus to show us the example of what that looks like. But in a world that is settling for the counterfeit. In a world that will settle for artificial. I laugh because... We can't keep anything alive in our house as far as plants go. As much as we want to, I actually, I take that back. There are a couple plants we are keeping alive right now. Yeah, Elsa's plants. Thank you. You must have prayed really hard for that plant. Well, thank you. There's a revival going on in our plant, <laughs> plants right now. But usually, on the, on the real, if we just get down to the nitty-gritty, that we've killed air plants, the ones that live on air I don't know how. We've killed, we've killed those plants that they're like, oh, nobody will be able to kill that one. You barely have to water it, da 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 Dead, you know? Like, this is impossible. But I laugh now because, like, there's so many places that have, like, artificial plants and, like, grass. And almost everywhere you go now, coffee shops and everything, have the little artificial grass things, you know? They just become... Those are real. <laughs> yes, those are real. Thank you. But yeah, it's crazy how sometimes things that look real and almost can fill the void for a moment are actually artificial and don't produce what they could be. I want to look at a story in the Bible. I was reminded of this when I was studying, but in Exodus chapter 32, I want to just look at the first portion of it. You can read this story on your own. But it's the story of when Moses went to the, the mountain to meet with God. And all of the people were at the base of the mountain. And and when Moses goes up to the top of the mountain to meet with God, he's literally having an encounter with God. The Bible says that literally the glory cloud comes over the mountain when Moses is up there. And he's meeting face to face with the Lord. And here's the craziest part about this whole story is that the Israelites had been walking with God this entire time. But look what happens when inconvenience comes in the way. And here's the cost that we have to, the first cost that we have to put down on paper and realize it's going to happen is the cost of inconvenience. The cost of inconvenience. Because I believe that we are growing up in a world, my kids are growing up in a world where we are intolerant of inconvenience. Do not inconvenience me with a line. Do not inconvenience me with waiting on something. Give me an app for it. Let me skip the line. Don't get in my way if I'm driving, right? And watch what happens when Moses is on the mountain for too long, okay? In Exodus chapter 32, 
verse number 32, or I'm sorry, verse number one. It says, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain. Now you have to read it like that, okay? Because that's, that's probably how they were saying it. Oh my word, where's Moses? When people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, uh, who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. And we don't want to wait. Okay. They're griping, they're complaining. It's been so long and convenient. We need. Sometimes if we don't count the cost of inconvenience, inconvenience can look like a detour from the divine. All of a sudden we're like, God, where are you? You said, uh, uh, Pastor Elijah talked about you being on time. You're always on time. And where are you? My alarm went off and you're not here. I prayed you're going to meet me in that need. I'm, I'm supposed to pay that bill on the 15th, Lord. You know it happens every month, right? It's inconvenience. And all of a sudden we start questioning, well, where is the Lord? Where is Moses? He's been up there for a while. And Aaron said, all right, bring all your gold. And they made for them a gold calf, a cow. And the interesting thing about this story is the gold calf that they made was actually a replica of the god El from the Canaanites. Now, the Canaanites were not the Lord's people. They were worshiping everything under the sun. And they were worshiping this god El. And the El god was the creator god. So literally... The Israelites have seen the hand of God. I mean, they've already walked on dry ground when the ocean split open and they walked through. They've already seen that, right? They've already seen God's miracles in their life. They've already walked with the encounter of the Lord, the creator. And yet when things get inconvenient, what do they do? They turn to the replica, the creator God. Well, we saw, we heard one time that Canaanites, they worship this one God, this cow that's the creator. So make him, we'll worship that and that will become our God. Now we laugh at this because we're like, who in the right mind would make a gold calf and worship it? But let me tell you this, we live in a world where people are giving into the counterfeit God, the counterfeit worship, the counterfeit presence of God even the counterfeit following Christ. Can I tell you what counterfeit following Christ looks like? Doing nothing for God and just expecting him to be there for you. Lord, I did enough. I watched the sermon. Lord, I bought a Bible. It's on my shelf. And we laugh, and we laugh. But, but Jesus came and he said, hey, listen, count the cost, okay? Don't get into this thing saying, ah, whatever, I'm just make it out, I'll just whatever. Because you're gonna face inconvenience. You're gonna face those times where it's a struggle to stay your standard. It's a struggle to keep your ground and say, ask for me in my house, I won't give in. There are things that we have to say no to. In fact, do you wanna pra practice today? Maybe we need to practice how to do this because a lot of times we're just pushovers, right? It's just like, oh, you're doing it and you're doing it and you're doing it, ah, okay. But let's practice this, okay? Someone comes in and they're trying to ask you to go do something that's against your standard. Let's practice all together. 
and English and Spanish is the same word, and Portuguese. Ready? Say, no. That was good. That was good. All right, a little more force. Here we go. Let's try it one more time. One, two, three. No. no. Think of Nacho Libre. No. Don't you want a piece of the glory? See what it tastes like? No. And then we do this. Get that corn out of my face. Oh, I love Nacho Libre. My favorite movie. Here's a question for you today. How much does your faith cost? Was it worth? If you really sat down and counted the cost, what would it take for you to fall? I think about this all the time because in my line of work, I am a pastor. And so I watch other pastors and leaders. I've seen those that have have grown and, and grown churches and done amazing ministries fall because of moral failure fall because of fraud and finances, fall because of these certain things. And so I look at that and say, all right, what would it take for me to fall? What's the cost of my faith? What will it cost me? Will it be that day when someone walks through the door and starts singing my praises and now I feel like the man? And what will it be for you? Will it be someone walking into your life and saying, hey, I got this great opportunity for you. Now it's a little sketch, but you can have all this money, all this whatever. What would it cost? For you to bend the line a little bit. Ah, it's just a little fib. Ah, it's just a little lie. What would it cost you to give up your faith? To cave in? Say, ah, that's it. Because we have to count this cost. The Israelites did not count the cost. And so they gave in to the counterfeit. They started following this, this fake God. And when Moses came down, guess what? It went crazy. Read the story. It's nuts. Calf burned up. We have to realize that who we're following is the great I am. He is the real God. Jesus came to give us that example of what it looks like to follow him wholeheartedly, to not give in. I was reading this, uh, this article about AI and kind of where they're headed with the technology. And how many love technology? I'm the first one in this room. Yeah, me and my wife, we're the first ones in this room. We love technology. It's great when it works. But I mean, it's amazing how efficient it can make your work and the convenience of all the apps and the buttons and Alexas and things like that. It's incredible. What I was reading is I was reading about AGI. I don't know if you've read on this yet. AGI is the artificial general intelligence. And so right now we have artificial intelligence where uh, there, something that humans have to program. So we have to tell artificial intelligence what to do. We have to command it to search. We have to command it to do this, write this essay, blah, 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 and then it will perform that thing. What they're trying to accomplish is AGI, which is artificial general intelligence, which is the, the computer now thinking on its own. When it comes into a problem, it recreates, it tries different things, it, it learns as it goes. And the article was named The Battle for Human-Like Intelligence. And I thought that was so interesting because human beings are the only ones that were created to create. Did you know that? Everything else was created to replicate. They can replicate, they can reproduce something, but they can't create something. And even in the machines and all the things that we're seeing today, all they can do is recreate 
The battle comes for you and your mind and your creativity. Why? Because the Lord breathed into you. And so that breath that's in your lungs, oh, it is coveted. It's wanted to be reproduced. And the scope is that, I was reading this, and this is the scope. AI is typically focused on solving specific problems. AGI is designed to be able to solve any problem that the human can. And this is the level of intelligence that they're trying to go to. AI systems are typically much less intelligent than humans, while AGI systems are designed to be as intelligent as humans or even more intelligent. There's a, there's a, a race going on right now to try to produce, try to recreate, try to be the one. My mind went back to you. Uh, the, the story in the Bible where, where men was trying to reach heaven, you know, trying to get to heaven. They're trying to work all together. And that's when the Tower of Babel, right? And that's when the Lord came down and said, all right, we're going to confuse the languages, let them spread out. And that's where we all are today. And I, I thought about this as like, we're, we're trying to recreate, trying to go after, instead of perfecting and keeping guard of what the Lord has placed inside of us. And that's why this is so crucial to this church is to keep creativity alive. We need our kids being able to sit and be bored and to process and to think ideas and to sit on something for a while and say, you know what, it's inconvenient, but I'm gonna stay here until I figure it out. There are things that we've had to do as a church to come together and say, all right, this is not working, but we have to be able to sit in the process to sit in the, the, the coming up with a solution. How do we bless this community? How do we partner with those? It's hard, it's inconvenient, but it's worth it because that is the space that God has put inside of us. It's in his image. It's in his image to create. It's in his image to love. It's in his image to design. And humans are the only thing that caught the creator's breath. <laughs> you are the only creation that caught his breath. And he wants to use us so much and he wants to be with us. And as we sang today, he wants to encounter us and fill us up with his presence. And I want to ask you today, are you able to decipher, count the cost of where you're going, but also decipher the the artificial? Are, Are you able to say, that's not real? If you haven't felt the genuine, you won't know what the fake looks like or feels like. That's why today I wanted to even start out with just saying, Holy Spirit, come, fill me with your presence. It's an easy prayer. It's simple. But sometimes we look over it. We're just like, let's get to the word. Let's get to the inspiration. But, but if we don't invite Holy Spirit in and say, anoint my ears, anoint my heart to receive this word. Before you read the word on your own time, you need to pray that prayer. Holy Spirit, come and just anoint me to hear this thing. Sometimes it can be confusing. Sometimes I don't understand it. But if I know you, and if you're with me, you're teaching me. I can lean in and listen to you. When we lived outside the city, we'd have friends come into PA all the time, and we're in the tri-state, so you can do New York really quick, you can do Baltimore real quick. Everybody else loved that about where we live. It's like, man, Jersey, New York, Baltimore, D.C., it's all right here within grasp. Well, we were laughing, thinking about it the other day because we would have friends come in town. They're like, okay, we want to go see New York. And so we'd go to New York. Then we want to go to Baltimore. And we go to Baltimore. But we want to go to the beach because you're right by Ocean City. And so we'd go to Ocean City. It's like every person that came in, we had like four trips we had to do. And by the end of the trip, we're like, oh, we're exhausted. Okay, are they leaving yet? <laughs> it's like, I can't, I can't drive three hours anymore. You're like, I'm done. And, but, but every time we go to New York, there's this place called Canal Street. Now, I'm not sure if it's still a thing anymore. But if you've ever been to Canal Street, you know. It is the place of the knockoffs. 
So I have Canal Street goers in the room I can see. When you go to Canal Street, you realize that all of the purses, all of the belts, all of the sunglasses, all the things are all the same, but you can choose what tag you want on it. So you go, you pick out your design, your style you like, and then they're like, what do you want? Prada? Gucci? You know, they're going through all the things, and then you choose. I don't know. I think that looks like a Prada bag. Yeah. Let's go Prada. So they go back and get you the tag and put it on it. I laugh about this so much because it's like 25 bucks, 35 bucks. And then you barter them down like, oh, 25 bucks, I would never. You know, and they're like, okay, 15, 15 for you, friend. You know, you do the whole bartering thing. I laugh at that. But as, as, as Christ followers, if we're not careful, we can go in our life and give in to the counterfeit gods and say, well, that kind of feels like God. And it makes it, they're all about good and joy and, and peace. And, and it's all about, but if you don't know the word of God, you'll settle for any bag out there. You say, what do you want on it? You want it, God on it? Do you want Jesus on it? Do you want Holy Spirit on it? What do you want on it? Because all paths lead to God, right? It's like, it's like this mindset that we have to realize who we are in Christ. We have to have relationship with him. Because let me tell you, genuine relationship with Jesus is the only way you're going to be able to decipher counterfeit from true. It's the only way. Knowing the word of God is the only way we're going to navigate the days ahead. I promise you. There will be days that, and this is, this is the word of God. He said there'll be days where those will say, there's Christ. There he is. And if you're not discerning with the spirit, if you don't have relationship with Jesus, you're going to be like, oh, is that him? Kind of looks like him. And read Revelation. There's going to be those that perform miracles. Those prophets that stand up and say, look at the power of God through me. And there's going to be times where we will have to, as the church, say, that's not correct. That's not true. That's counterfeit. And if we're not careful in our homes even today, you can settle for counterfeit peace or counterfeit joy. Things that might make you feel good for a season, but then as soon as the bottom drops out, the, the joy's gone and the peace is gone. Let me tell you, that's not Christ. That's not Christ. Well, Christ comes in, he sustains you. And I can't explain, it's not like you're happy all the time, but it's like a sustaining peace that settles you in any storm. That when you're going through it, you always remind yourself, oh yeah, Christ is in me and therefore we can, we can settle the score. This is nothing that's gonna take us down because of what God is doing. We have to be able to decipher artificial presence When's the last time you've encountered God's presence in your home? And I want to encourage you this week, let it be a week where you encounter him on a deeper level. You don't have to set, set all this at church and let that be your only place you encounter God. And you can flip on uh, we Maverick City, Tiffany Hudson. That's my cousin, so I'm, I'm preferred to her. But she has a great album where we just turn it on and all of a sudden the atmosphere changes in the room. And it's not just the music, but it's our posture. It's our heart posture. So what I want to encourage you with today is to count the cost. So many of us, we go through life. And it's, it's green, obviously, because of the eagles. Go birds. Sorry, I'm a little tangled up here, but let me, let me just get untangled here. 
So many of us go through life and we don't really realize what's on the other side. You know, this is why when, really when you come to Christ, you can't ask the question of like, well, what do you want now? It's like, do you know where you're going when this life is over? Like, that's the big question. It's not, nothing to do with this life. This life is the chance we have of grace, right? It's the chance to say yes to Jesus. But everything is on the other side of our life. <laughs> when we breathe our last and we, we go into eternity, that's what counts. That's why this church, we do so much to outreach to the community. That's why we, we encourage each other, hey, invite someone, because that's what's on the line. But some of us, we, we settle for thinking about only our life. And if you think about eternity, think about like this, like this black portion right here is our life on earth. It's like the 80, 90, 100, 120 years that we have. And then everything past this is eternity, right? But sometimes we don't get this perspective and we think that our life on earth is everything, right? It's just all about what we're doing here. It's all about what we build to the end of our life. But let me tell you, friends, that is only a 10%, maybe even 5% of what the reality of your life means and is worth. And if you count the cost, you realize that this is the little portion that we are so concerned about. This is the portion where we're like, oh, we better have our comfort. There better be not, no inconvenience for me, okay? And if, if anybody comes against that inconvenience, they're canceled, cancel, cancel, <laughs> right? Because we're, we're so concerned about that. But if we would change our perspective and realize this is actually what we're living for, eternity with the king, eternity in heaven. Look at all of this. He says it never ends. And as a kid, I would get so worked up about this. I'd actually wake up in the middle of the night and come into my mom's room and be like, is it really going to be forever? Like there's no end. I couldn't grasp it as a kid. It like freaked me out. But you think about that. It never ends. And so if you go to heaven, awesome. Because you have eternity to be with Christ. Oh, can you imagine? I can't wait. You get to just be with him forever? And all you're doing is just sing, holy, holy. He's the light and love and peace. And you have no pain, no shame, no regret. It's just, oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Holy, holy, holy. You just join with the angels. We're jumping on clouds, flying around. Come on, that's going to be awesome. But then on the other side of that, if you don't go to heaven, guess what? The other side is hell. And so there's so much at stake. Because then you have eternity never ending. Torture and burning and darkness and demons. And I tell you, it's never going to stop. I hear people say, the party's in hell. Good luck. Good luck. I don't like torture. I don't like to burn and not die. And so when we understand what's at stake, we can count the cost with good perspective. When you count the cost knowing that eternity's at stake, you say, there's nothing that's worth giving up my faith. There's nothing that's worth giving up my relationship with Jesus. In fact, there's nothing that's worth even giving in to a little bit. Because you know, when the enemy gets a little bit, when he gets an inch, he takes a mile. And he's so patient too. I've seen so many people that they're just oh, inching around, inching around. But he'll wait years. He'll wait years. Let you get that little bit of habit. Let you get that little bit of lie. Let you be okay with that little bit of mess up. 
you're okay. You're not, you're not sinning. You're okay. You're just a little off. It's fine. I don't know why the devil's voice is so high, but you know, you're just a little off. You're fine. Ooh, this is changing colors now. Look at that. Wow, eternity is awesome. But when you realize the cost, the things that are at stake, then you are like, I think like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And I'm going to close with this. When King Nebuchadnezzar, he made an image. This is where we have to be wise in these last days because there will be things that create images for us to follow. There'll be images. There'll be things that look like God or look like peace or look like the presence of the Lord or look like, they'll be counterfeit. We have to realize, because when he set it up, he said, all right, when we play rock music, everybody's gonna bow. So I need everybody on their hands and knees. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were the only ones that said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because they understood what was at stake, right? They understood that this little bit of inconvenience is for this amount of eternity. This little bit of saying, no, no, I'm not giving into that. No, I, I want to serve God and God alone was for the amount of eternity that never ends. And so she, we, we see the story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they say, no, we're not bowing. So what does he do? Throws them in the furnace. Can I tell you something? Can I just encourage you with something? No matter what the world tries to throw at you, the enemy tries to burn you with, you know the only thing that burned when they threw, were thrown in the fire? The things that bound them. The ropes, the chains that were on them, they burned off and they were free in the fire. And the Bible says that even the king was like, hold on, I think we threw three people in, but I see Four, and the fourth one looks like the son of God. Can I tell you that no matter what you face, you gotta count the cost and understand that the Lord is gonna be with you through the fire. Ah, oh, y'all didn't hear me. <laughs> I'm gonna try that again. Because some of you are gonna face some things in your life that you will have to say, no. You will have to say, I'm set apart as a child of God. That is not allowed in my home. That's not allowed in my marriage. That's not allowed in my life. That's not allowed in my heart. I'm not going to think on those things. I'm not going to watch those things. I'm not going to listen to that. Why? Because you're a child of God. There are some of you that are going to have to do that. And guess what? You might get thrown in the fire. And I want to encourage you today that when you go in that fire, the fire of the world, because let me tell you this, you'll pay either now or later. You'll pay with fire now or you'll pay with fire later. And let me tell you, the fire now is way better than the fire later, okay? But if you pay with fire now and you say no and you get thrown in the fire, I wanna encourage you with something, that you will not be in that fire alone, that the Lord will be standing with you. And not only that, but he'll burn off the things that bind you, things that hold you back, things that the, the enemy would love to say, you're no good. But, but when you say yes to the Father, the inconsistencies of the lies, the mindsets of the past, the regret and shame of what you walked out of all of a sudden start to burn off in your obedience to Christ. And Christ is with you in the fire. I wanna ask you today, what's your faith cost?